Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be starting the seventh parak in Masechah Shkalim. It's Adaf Yotes. And we start with Halacha Aleph. What are the issues here? A little bit of discussion, of um, introduction, because these are some of my favorite topics over here. And that is, topic borrowed, it's going to feel like yeshiva here. Like Bavakama, Subis, Rov versus Karov. How do we determine? Chazaka uh, Kara. Called the parish, the parish, called Kavua Kamechza, Mechza Dami. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna feel like we fell into, uh, into Yeshiva world. How so? Well, a little outside introduction. We talked yesterday about the Pushkas. The Pushkas in the base of Mikdash where we put all the coins. What if you find a coin, uh, or a bird for that matter, but let's say you find a coin between the Pushkas. Now, some of the Pushkas, right, are designated, the different ones are designated for different things. Some of them don't matter. If you might recall, we had 13. And the last six of which were all in the Davos. So it's possible that it wouldn't matter so much if you found them in that area of the Pushkas. And we'll see very shortly how the Pushkas, in fact, were oriented um, in the room. Fine, I'll give it away. They were in a circle. We'll get, back. we'll get to that. It was in a circle around the room. Um, but if you find it in the area where all the Nadavas are, it could be it wouldn't matter. Okay, you give to one stucca, you give to another stucca, it doesn't matter. But yesterday, you might recall, we had a situation of a, of a, a corp of the uh, Pushka, and we said that there was a machlokus in the Mishnah as to whether you could put any of the money for the birds of a korban chatas, which is an chiyuv. Uh, uh, into the pushka, and the problem was that in the unlikely but potential event that somebody passes away before the carbon is brought, so then that money uh, is problematic because it was makdish for a certain purpose, and we don't know whose money it was when it's in there. And we said there was possibilities it might it might so to speak contaminate the entire pushka if you have the invalid money in there. So the question then becomes uh, halakhically relevant. Let's say you find the money in between two pushkas. Now, I'll just by another way of introduction, I'll say. I was learning this in Baba Basra. There's a parakel called Lo Yachbar. It's a fascinating uh, question. Suppose, let's get back to Andrew and Barry. Remember the day when we used to harass Andrew and Barry? So Andrew had a chicken coop, a very modest pigeon coop, okay? And it was, uh, he had about five pigeons in and out usually at a given moment. He doesn't, I can't identify whose is which, but in other words, he doesn't know them by name. The pigeons come in and out, but the pigeon coop has room for five. And there's usually around five pigeons in there, fine. And Barry has a pigeon coop, and we'll exaggerate for the sake of clarification, with room for five million pigeons, okay? A pigeon coop with five million pigeons in it, okay. A pigeon is found uh, with a broken leg, right? It's probably uh, two feet closer to Andrew's pigeon motel, um, but it's hard to tell. Is this Andrew or is it Barry's pigeon? So that actual question is brought in Periklo Yahbor. In other words, out of a probability, Right, there's five million pigeons just two feet, you know, just a little bit two feet further uh, where Barry Barry's pigeon motel is, and there's only five pigeons, so to speak, even though we don't at a time where Andrew is, and yet it's two feet closer to Andrew. So would you say it's more likely that it's Andrew's pigeon or Barry's pigeon? So that is the sugya of Rove, right? That Rove is Barry or Karov. It's closer to Andrew. Okay, the classic sugya that's brought in the Torah and the Menachas Chinuch. Um, discusses this, is the one of Egla Rufa. That might be the one you're most familiar with, where you find a corpse between two cities, and we do a ceremony where we actually have a measuring stick, and we determine which city takes responsibility for this corpse, because which city is this corpse closer to, so that city would have the elders go down to the river with the Egla Rufa, etc., and go through the ceremony of absolving themselves, saying that our hands were not uh, what caused the death of uh, the responsibility for this corpse. There, too, you have a question of Karov. The Gemara asks, well, don't, which, which wins? In the case of Lo Yachbar, we say that Rov trumps Karov, that when you have a uh, right conflict between which is closer and which is a, more of a majority, we'll go with Rov, the statistical majority. It's, so in the case of Barry and Andrew, we'll say it's Barry's pigeon. What do you mean? There's five 
million pigeons over there. What's the likelihood that this one that was found is Andrew's? Just because it's a foot closer, right? If you take it to the uh, to the absolute extreme, it's just an inch closer to Andrew. That's more significant than the fact that Barry has five million pigeons. So we say in Lo Yachbor that we go with Rove versus Karov. The Gemara asks, ah, but we have Egla Rufa, where we go with which is closer. We're literally going out with a measuring stick. So the so, so the Gemara says, well, no, that case of Egla Rufa is when you have the identical amount of inhabitants. Well, okay, well, that certainly changes it. Uh, that changes the uh, the question. Okay, so that, that those are some of the issues. So the way I like to think of it, um, Birnbaum sent me an article about this in tradition. I'll have to look it, look it over. It's, it's very it's very interesting because Karov and Rove and which trumps, it's the way I like to think of it is either it's the most theoretical question as the Gemara discusses in Egla Rufa, right? It, I mean, in uh, Lo Yachba, when it refers to Egla Rufa, the two cities having identical number of, of people. So then already at that point, you're saying, okay, well, that's very theoretical. So either you take out all the variables and then it's just an interesting theoretical question of which is it, Rove or Karov, or you have to include all the variables and, and say, well, let's see, uh, the pigeons, uh, Andrew's pigeons, they never stray from the, from the coop. And... Uh, Barry's pigeons, they're all over town. Everyone sees them all over town. Well, that would certainly be a factor. If that were to be true, then there'd be no doubt that it's Barry's pigeon, right? Because Andrew's pigeons are never found there, and Barry's are always. You have to take either every consideration and variable into account, and then you can't isolate Rove and Carve, or you could say, no, let's just see theoretically which is greater if you take, distill out all of the variables. Um, okay, it's a, it's a, I, I think that that introduction is very relevant because these topics are going to be discussed in this Mishnah and the next Mishnah. We're going to start with a, with a coin that's found between the two Pushkas, and then we're going to actually graduate to a coin found in Yerushalayim, and then to meat found in Yerushalayim. And so uh, these, these are really the sugyas that are here. And I'll just finish the intro by saying that, as we discussed yesterday, the Yushalmi really talks a lot of Allah Lamaisa. So whereas when you learn these sugyas in yeshiva, you're going to do more the theoretical kind of discussing rov versus karov with all the achreinim, you know, in a theoretical sense, we find ourselves here in halacha l'maiser yishalmi, and we see that all the variables that are of the pragmatic sense get taken into consideration in here in the yishalmi. So without further ado, let's see what happens. Says the Mishnah halacha aleph, maos shenimtu bein hashkalim lenadava. Coins are found between right the pushka that says shkalim and the pushka that says korbanos nadava. Now. Uh, the Taklan Chayotin, everyone is quick to point out, when we had the list yesterday, so remember, the first was the Taklan Chayotin, and then was the Taklan Yeshanin, right? We had the, the new Shkalim, then the old Shkalim, and then we had, um, right, a, a whole list of, of the, of the Pushkas, and then at the very end, where's the last, the last six were the voluntary, um, Pushkas. So the Gemara's gonna ask, what do you mean between the Shkalim Pushka and the Nadova's Pushka? Those are the two ends of where the Pushkas are, and that's where the Gemara's gonna say that it's really a circle. This is the, this is gonna be, if you look at a circle, we'll see, it'll be between the first and the last Pushka on the other end. We'll, we'll see that. Anyway. So, you find the Shkalim between, and, and the reason why we have to do this case is because there's an Afkamina, whether it's going towards the Nadava or the Shkalim, because remember, there was a Shita that the Shkalim Chadatin, right, in fact, had, uh, might go to Karbanos Chatas, and in which case, there, you have to be Machmir, and put it back in that Pushka, all things being equal. So, let's see. So, if you have Maos between Shkalim and Nadava, Karv L'Shkalim Yiplu L'Shkalim, L'Nadava Yiplu Nadava. Okay, so this is very important. The Mishnah here is, is clearly saying that we have Karov as Trump's Rove. Right? Over here we're saying that Karov, whichever one it's closer to, I mean, if you want to just oversimplify the Mishnah, and the Mishnah will oversimplify itself at the end, it'll say Zeha Klal, then simply put, you find money by the Pushkas, you put it next to the Pushka that it's closer to. End of story. Right? In 99.9% of the cases, it's going to be closer to one Pushka or another, so it belongs to, closer to the Pushka where it was found. It's, it's as simple as that. Doesn't get more comp- it's, it's not any more complicated than that. Doesn't get any easier. You put it to the closest Pushka, fine. Thing is, theoretically, says the Mishnah, if you find it between the two pushkas, exactly between them, to the point where it's impossible to determine which one it's closer to, so then, so there you have an issue, 
right? Which one are you going to put it? So there, there's a reason to put it closer to the Nadava, right? Because as we discussed yesterday, there's a danger, right? You have to put it, uh, you have to be Machmir. It says in, at the end, we're going to see, in the case of doubt, right, we have to be Machmir. So the Nadava, why is that a Chumrah? Because the Nadava is used for Olos, and the Olos are higher Kedusha. Whereas the leftovers from the Shkalim, as we said yesterday, and we're going to, we're going to flesh this out a little bit more, but the leftovers for the Shkalim are going to be used with that which we don't use for the right Korbanos, end up being used to, to fix up like the towers of Yerushalayim and to do some local maintenance, uh, communal maintenance. So the, that is a lower level, and therefore Chumrah in this context, in the case of complete Metzal Metzah, right, is going to, is going to go, Chumrah is going to go in favor of the Olos, in favor of the Nedavas. Now, it's in, and we're going to see other cases here where Metzah Metzah is going to go in different directions. But what's interesting is that even though it's a Chumrah, so to speak, you'd rather go towards the Olos, don't forget, if it's found closer to the Shkolem, you're still going to give it to the Shkolem, even if it's by a millimeter. So we see in this case that so we clearly go with Karov. The Mepharshim will explain, why would you go with Karov here? What's going on with Rov? After all, in Lo Yachbor, we say that we go with Rov over Karov. So the Mepharshim there will, uh, here will say, there isn't necessarily a real Rov here. You have to understand the sample size. One of the possible answers is, the pushkas are being collected and it's always, being flu- it's always fluctuating. So maybe the whole concept of Rov does not, in fact, apply to these pushkas because, um, because of the fact that it's, it's hard to say, well, one has more than the other because we don't know, right, how many were in the pushka at the time that this coin was lost. So that, that's one, that's one possible way of looking at it. Uh, there's, there's other ways, but, uh, I think we've had enough introduction here. Now we're really ready to just read the material. Okay, so, 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 so now, another case, let's say you find between two different pushkas, says the Mishnah, Bain aids in the Lavona. Now already we're familiar, we already learned these, these pushkas. So let's say between the pushka where you put, uh, the coins for the wood and the ones where you put the coins for the, right, the, the incense. The Lavona. So if you, if, if it's Karvla Eitzim, Iplul Eitzim, just like we said before by Shkalim, and, and the Lavona, Iplul Lavona. So again, the same principle. If all things are equal and we assume that everything else is, we just simply put the coin closer to, uh, the pushka that it, that it, uh, fell, right? In other words, the closest pushka. However, says the Mishnah, if it's exactly between the Lavona and the Eitzim, you're gonna give to the Lavona. That's gonna be Chumar. Why is that? The answer is, because the Eitzim really are not a korban in and of themselves, even though they go on the Mizbeach, they're like a Heksher korban, right? They're Machshire korban. They're used just to fire up the korban. The Lavona itself, that is considered a korban. It goes on the Mizbeach. It itself is the korban. And therefore, it is more Kadosh, just like the Olos are more Kadosh than the uh, reparation uh, of Yerushalayim. And so, if in doubt, in absolute doubt, uh, 50-50, then you put it in the Pushka of the Lavona. Okay, another case, Ben Kinin Legozle Ola. Okay, so this is the case we discussed yesterday, the difference between Kinim, right, which is like uh, Zavar Yaledis is going to bring these Chatas, or the young Olas, right? So then, Karav Lekinin, Yipul Lekinin, Karav Legozle Ola, Yipul Legozle Ola. Again, if it's closer to one of the pushkas or the other, then that's going to be the most important consideration. However, Matzah Lemetzah, Yipul Legozle Ola. There, if it's 50 50, you're going to bring, you're going to give it to the Gozle Ola. The Gozle Ola here is the Chumra. Why? Because it's only used for Olas. Right, we say only used for olos. It's not 100 percent uh, clear why, but the, this is this is what the Rivavan explains. The Rivavan, we haven't said a lot. He's, a, he's he looks like where Rashi is over here, and he says because the ola right is is immediately has the possibility of meila because it actually all goes straight to Hashem, right? They all go straight to the ola. So at any point you can have a misappropriation of the of that money, as opposed to as we discussed yesterday, there's a shita with regards to the kinim that the kinim could represent the chatas. A chatas is eaten by the coin, and and thus there is a longer lag time um, where you may not have the problem of meila, and therefore it is a chumrah to put it in the pushka of the ola. Wow. Okay, so that is amongst the pushkas that we were introduced to yesterday. What about, says the Mishnah now, Ben Kulun the Meister Shani, let's say you find coins in general, right, in Yerushalayim, 
between a pile, there's two piles of coins, and you see two piles, and you have one pile of ordinary coins and another pile of Meister Shaney coins. You happen to know that, that these are, right, coins that, uh, of Meister Shaney and ordinary coins, and you find a coin between them, and you don't know whether to treat this as a Meister Shaney or an ordinary coin. So, similar to the other halacha, says the Mishnah. You'll go which one it's closer to. However, if you find it in between the two piles, then you'll give it to the Meister Shaney. Explains the Rivavan again. The lava mikdash askinan, but this is not in the base of mikdash. This is just talking about. To, uh, you see, you're you're in a place where you there are just piles in your shalayim in, uh, in an area wherever this area is to pushkas, right? In a shul in your shalayim, let's say, right? So then you find that they fall, and you're gonna and you're gonna eat them. So you're gonna, in other words, you're gonna use the coin to buy falafel. Okay, so. The question is, are you allowed to, right, buy the falafel, do you have to buy it and use it as Meister Shaney coin, or are you allowed to just take this money, and let's say you come from Haifa, and you're going back, right, you're in town for, to be Ola Regal, and you could either treat it as Meister Shaney, in which case you'd have to buy the falafel and eat it in your shalim, that's what you do with Meister Shaney coins, or maybe if you, if you treat it as Hulin, you could just bring it back home to Haifa, and, you know, go to the fish restaurant there, and you don't have to eat it in your shalim. So that would be the Naftamina as to whether you think it's Meister Shaney or Hulin. Says the mission with the following concluding rule, Zehaklal. There's a little bit of a misnomer, this, uh, this statement. It sounds like if you go for the nearest one, you're being makil, and if you go, uh, and if you go half and half, you're being makil. That's not really what it means. What it really means is that if you, that you, that the klal is that you go after a karov. That you go after a karov, even the hakel, that's what it's trying to say. In other words, that karov is more important than being machmir. That if you see that it's, if the money that you found, the metziah, so to speak, that you found is closer to one thing or another, then that determines what it belongs to. However, if it's metzal mechza, if you have no, you can make no such determination because it's equally distant from everything, so then you're going to go lechumra out of a state of suffix. Right? So in other words, when it's karov, that's what the mission means in this cloud. When it's karov to something, then you're willing to say that it belongs to that thing, even the, for a kula, you don't have to be machmir. That's, even though you have some doubt, right? You don't know for sure where it came from. You could treat it like it's closer. This is what I always say with regards to these uh, these sugyas of trying to determine something. There's a famous hakira. When you go with rov, is that a birur or a nihug? Which means, are you actually? Uh, do you know the reality? Are you being mevara the actual reality by saying that it's the rov and saying this must be the ms that it's one thing or another? Or uh, you don't know the ms, but you're just this. This is determining how you're going to behave. So it seems like even every act of birur, it doesn't really mean that you're going for the absolute ms. You always are somewhat speculating, right? You want to know if something's kosher. So you don't know for, you never know for 100% sure, right? If, if, if it's, you have a suffix, let's say, where it came from. So you'll never know for 100% sure where it came from. It has to be that you're, you're kind of um, using statistical probability just to get through the day. We do that all day, every day. So anyway, that's the, that's the sugi over here. So let's see what the Gemara has to say about this. That's the Gemara. The first question the Gemara asks is, what do you mean? Why are you saying uh, between shkalim, right, and adavas? If you look at Shkalim, so if you go over yesterday's list, the first Pushka was the new Shkalim, second Pushka was the old Shkalim, and then the third Pushka was the Kinin. So why are you saying between Pushka 1 and Pushka 13? Why, it, wouldn't it make more sense to be between Pushka 2 and Pushka 3? So this is where the diagram uh, on 19A3 in the article is very helpful. It shows you, aha, isn't it between Pushka 2 and 3? Doesn't that make more sense? The says, no. Rabbi Avon, B'Shem, Rabbi Pinchas, Kimin Buchlayar. Buchlayar means a circle. Kimin Buchlayar Hayosin. Aha, once you see that the Pushkas were, in fact, uh, oriented in a circle, so then you can see what the Mishnah meant when it said that you found it, you found the coins between Pushka 1 and 13. Why, why, in fact, did it not ask about the difference between Pushka 2 and 3? So we'll see. Some of these Pushkas, the Gemara's going to ask. Some of these Pushkas, you don't really have a big nafkamina. Even if you found it between them, there's no Chumra Akula. So we had to only bring the case in the, in the Mishnah where you were learning some sort of Chiddush. But otherwise, the cloud is very simple. You just put it into the Pushka that's closest. So let's see that in the Gemara. It says the Gemara, We said that, in fact, if you found it between the Shkalim and the Nadavas, give it to the Nadavas because it's more Machmir, says the Gemara. 
Some take out this next uh, parentheses, the gra, no less than the gra takes it out. So you know what? We'll follow the gra and the piklin chadatin, who is Rav Mishkalov, uh, the gra's Talmud. So we'll go to the next, uh, past the parentheses, and we say like this, says the Gemara. Is the body Neymar, because the Tikkun Chadatin says this is really what the Gemara was trying to get at. It's trying to get to this following uh, Yesod, which is that there are some who say, Shema Yipulushayare Halishka, that the reason why, right, you have to put it in the uh, Nadavas over Shkalim, and the reason that's the Chumrah, is because they might fall, fall into what? The Shayare Halishka. So this is what we said before, that if you have, right, the leftovers from the Shkalim, right, Pushkas, those all go to the wall repairs and the tower repairs of the municipality of Yerushalayim. It's a very lofty cause, but it's not as lofty as Korbanos Nadava, Korbanos Ola. So that's why we say, rather, we're, so to speak, Machmir, because we're going to appropriate it to the Korbanos. That's reason number one that people say that when in doubt, put it in the, right, in, in the uh, Nadavas. And says the Gemara, is the body name or Mace. A second possible reason why we might want them to come up into the Shkalim, uh, in a, in the, in, rather, into the Nadavas instead of the Shkalim in a case of doubt, is because of Kamisha Mace. What's this Kamisha Mace? Um, Basically, right, it's the case we said before, that somebody, if you have somebody, and they donate to the pushkar, and then they pass away before the carbon's brought, so then um, it has to be destroyed, as we said yesterday, right? That, that, those, that has to be destroyed because it ends up a surplus, right? If the owner dies, you have to destroy it if it goes into the shkalim. Uh, because in the Shkalim, there's a possibility that some of that goes towards Korbanos Chatas. As opposed to the Pushka for the Nadava, that's all going to Nadava anyway. So if one of the Bailim dies, we're not concerned, because anyway, it's going to Nadava. So even though that was not what the person intended, and the person already passed away, right, the person didn't, didn't know that they, were, that, that they weren't going to make it, but the uh, ramifications don't impact anybody else whose money is in that Pushka, because all of those monies are Nadavas anyway. So because all the money is in Nadavas anyway, nobody loses out their money uh, from going to Chatas. That's, that's the second reason why you would put it into the Nadavas when in doubt. But still, don't forget, the Mishnah says if it was closer to the Shkalim, of course you'd put it in the Shkalim because it's always assumed um, in this context that it's closer to uh, that whichever one it's closer to is the Pushka that it belongs. Uh, and these are some of these uh, issues can be Halakha Lemaisa, right? If you find an Aveda and it's closer between two things, how do you determine the probability of where it belongs? Okay. Uh, sometimes you just say, okay, bring it to Tzedakah. Sometimes you have to make a determination. Fine. A little story with regards to this. Amar Ad Taman, when I was still in bubble before I came Taman here, before I came here to Israel, since we're, since it's Talmud Yerushalmi, so he's talking in Yerushalayim. He says, I used to, when I was in Babel, Shami Skal Rabbi Huda Shal Shmuel. I heard the voice of Rabbi Huda asking Shmuel, Hifrish Shiklov Amaze, what would be the halacha if a person with Mafish's Shekel was going to put it into the Shkalim and then died? What are you going to do that money? So I'm going to lay Dava. So Shmuel replied to him at the time, Yeah, if, if you don't know, right, and if the person died before he actually put it into any of the Pushkas, then you should put such a suffix into the Nadava. So that's consistent with what we're saying here. We have a suffix because it's immediately in between two. Um, it's, it's exactly between two Pushkas. In that suffix, we should put it in the Nadava. So that was uh, similar, right, to what Shmuel answered Rabbi Huda. He said a similar case. If somebody gave the money, but, but he gave it, let's say, to sort of like a Shaliach, who didn't arrive at the base of Mikdash to put it in the Pushkas yet, and then he died, so where should we put it? If he wasn't giving any instructions, just put it in the Nadava. When in doubt, put it in the Nadava Pushka. Similarly, Asirisa Eifa Shalom. Okay, so the Kohen Gadol sometimes has, right, an Asirisa Eifa. This is, right, a korban uh, that, that, the, that the Kohen Gadol brings daily. It's from the Minchas Chavitin, half in the morning, half in the evening. That's where the Asirisa Eifa. The Gemara Menachos goes over this. Menachos Kuf Ches. Um, and it discusses the Tutsdadim. Our Gemara will not discuss the Tutsdadim. It'll just simply say that if you find the surplus, right, the Kohen Gadol is giving money towards Yisri Seifa, as we've discussed yesterday. These are almost like vending machines that don't give change in the base of Mikdash. Where you put money in, and then later you go to a different station and take what you need, whether it's an Yisri Seifa or a bird or whatever it is that you need, but you're not getting back change. Because once you give it to the base of Mikdash, it, it's Kaddish and it stays. 
So what do you do with the surplus? So you have all this surplus. What do you do with the surplus of Asirisa? So there, there was a machlokas uh, about whether you actually have to like put it in the Dead Sea, so to speak, since they can never use it for anything. So it's like put it in Shamus, or can you use it for Nadava? That's nothing we're discussed over there in Menachos. Fine. So now let's see the Kinim. Says the Gemara, Vakasha. What about if you find it between right the the Kinim and the young Ola um, birds? So it says Vakasha. Yeshchatas kreva Ola. Aha. There we get into the issue we brought in yesterday, that is there a chatas that can be offered as an ola, which is, the question is a fascinating question. Somebody put money in, let's say somebody put money in the, right, in the kinim box, uh, because they needed to bring a carbon chatas, okay? And then uh, we have a suffix, so we put it, we said out of uh, being machmir, we put it in the pushka for the olas, because that is a loftier goal, because the leftovers from the chatas are gonna be brought for the, right, rep- reparations of the municipality of Yerushalayim. The problem becomes the individual, this doesn't help the individual who had the carbon chatas. They put in the, car, the money for the carbon chatas and they now lost their, their carbon chatas. How are you, how do you justify that? They had chiv. In other words, how do you, how does putting something into nedava, into tzedakah, right, trump the, the relief of the person's chiv? That person has to, um, somehow get his atonement. So how, how are you gonna, how are you gonna, how does being machmir mean that you put it in tzedakah? What's gonna happen with the person's atonement? The Gemara's gonna ask. So the first thing is that the Gemara answers is Chizkia B'shem Rishon Ben Lakish said Tanai based in who Al Hamosar Shikru Olos. It's an interesting, fascinating idea that we make a Tanai um, regarding the leftovers from the Chatas that it should be offered as Olos. How does that help? Because again, we want the leftover Chatas to be donated. That um, amazingly, the Tikkun Chatan explains that Tanai means that that becomes the de facto Tanai that the person made when he gave the Shkalim in the first place. In other words, it is implied, because of the way that this is the Bezdin operates, it is implied when a person gives money that if he doesn't make it, for whatever reason, if she, he or she doesn't make it all the way to get the Kapara, that they retroactively intend to give this money as Nadava. Okay? This way, you get away with giving it to the more, right, Kadosh thing, and you avoid the Chatos thing. It's as if, retroactively, you didn't, right, you need to hold the Brera uh, in a sense, but not really, because the way the Tiklan Chatatin uh, expresses it is, it is as if that Tznai was expressed the Chatchilas, which uh, even without uh, retroactive, um, it would be, it, it would work, right? It's only that we sort of retroactively use the Tanai. We only use that Tanai in the case, uh, in the un, unlikely case that we have this complete suffix and the person is no longer around to, to, to uh, get the kapara. Anyway, that takes care of sort of the conundrum as to which push could have put it in, right? Where one's, right? But the problem is, it doesn't take care of the kapara. That's the next question of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Aisha Azot, Maimis Kaparis, right? Let's say you have the Zavar, the Yolandas. She actually needs the kapara. So let's say she's still alive. Right? A woman, so, in other words, it helps if the person's, so to speak, dead, so then they, they can make the tanai. But let's say the woman's alive, right? And she put it in the pushka, and somehow it got shaken up, somebody got stuck to somebody's fingers, uh, on their way out, even though they were shaped like chauffeurs, and somehow it, it got loose, and now it's, it's in between two pushkas. So the woman who gave, let's say, money for the korban, for the kinim, and she needs the kapara. And so we have a lump of to get ourselves out of the obligation of putting it back into the kinim. But the problem is, the woman, her money wasn't used for the kinim. Where is her kapara gonna come from? If she's still alive. So the answer is, that too is a Tanai Bezin. What's a Tanai Bezin? Hamisapik as a Kinin, Hamisapik as a Psulas. We came up with this already in um, Erevin. Uh, we discussed it. Lamed uh, Bez. We mentioned it yesterday. That the uh, Kohanim never went home. Right, there was a reason. They never went home until all the Korbanos for, right, the Korbanos Chatas were brought. They never left, you know, paperwork on their desk for the next day. That was a very, that was a very good uh, Mida of the Kohanim. And so, that was very important because as we said, and we mentioned it yesterday, let's say a woman needs hair of Shemesh and she needs the carbon, she needs to know that the carbon was brought in order to eat kachim that night. The woman can, in fact, the is eat kachim that night because she could take it to the bank, literally and figuratively, that the Kohanim brought her carbon. 
That's how much we trust the Kohanim to bring the Korban. So you could say, okay, we trust the Kohanim to bring the Korban because they're going to take all of the money and they're going to actually use it all for the Korbanos. That's one aspect. But now the Gemara is asking another very practical question. What if the money is missing? Some of the money is missing because, right, it was lost somewhere. So now if some of the money is missing, so the woman put it, the money in the pushka, but maybe it's her money that's missing. So how could she eat the kachim? So this is the second aspect of it, which is hamasapek. Who's the masapek? The vendor. They used to have vendors in the base of Mikdash. So, so for example, uh, let's say when the base of Mikdash comes, uh, Andrew's going to decide a new business model for himself. He's going to be the bird man. Okay, he's going to be the guy who literally sits with all the birds such that after everyone's paid, if he gets the contract, and it's literally going to work this way, somebody's going to win the bird contract for the base of Mikdash. So they're going to be the ones sitting there with all the birds such that, right, because you can't have, it can't be like a shuk, right? It can't be Hefkervelt. It can't be pandemonium. So they're going to say, okay, Andrew, you're the caterer, so to speak. You're the guy in charge of all the birds such that whenever people bring in money, then you're going to, you're going to distribute the birds to them. Okay, but there's a special tonight. The tonight is that we are going to look in the poshka. How do they know what's missing is, is a good question. But let's assume we counted it up. Today, it'll be digital. So it'll be easy, right? It'll be Bitcoin or whatever it is, but it'll be, it'll be digital. We'll know exactly how much money was donated. So let's say, whatever, $10,000 came in that day. So Andrew's contractually obligated to give $10,000 worth of birds. Huh. Now, remember, the Kohanim are bringing the Karbanas, right? So, so they're the ones really getting the birds on behalf of the bailim of, uh, of the people who gave the money. So Andrew's right, ledger, his credit card receipts show that he got ten, that the $10,000 were paid for the birds. Then he goes to count up Right, the cash plus credit card, everything is, it adds up to only $923, uh, I'm sorry, $9,230. So he's short, right, like $670 or whatever, $770. Right? He's short $770. So what's Andrew going to do? So he's going to ask the base of Mikdash for the money. Is he only going to give $9,230 worth of birds? No. Part of winning that contract for the base of Mikdash is that no matter what, if Andrew's right receipts and he sees digitally that he was given $10,000, then even if $770, uh, no illusion or pun intended, just 770 happens to be. I did a consultation on Lubavitch, two Lubavitch boys in the office yesterday, but that's not the reason why I said it, but maybe it is. I don't know why that number was in my head, but be that as it may, if he's short the $770, then he is still gonna give $10,000 worth of birds. That's the nature of the contract with the supplier in the base of Mikdash. So because that's the nature of the contract, Right, we don't have the suffix. We don't have the problem for the woman because don't forget, she gave the money. So then, even if the money was lost, not only are the Kohanim never going to go home until they brought all those korbanos, but also, even if the money was lost, Andrew's going to give them all the birds for the ten thousand dollars. So that even if the woman's money gets lost, her korban will be brought. That's the whole point here, and therefore she can always um, rely on it in order to eat the kachim. So that's what the gemara means over here when it says that he who supplies, Andrew in this case, who's, who's the bird supplier, he's also going to supply birds even for disqualified ones. So whether a bird becomes disqualified or whether a coin gets lost, whatever the case may be, he is saying, listen, part of winning that contract is a commitment to bring all the birds for the money given that day, whether the money was lost or the bird happened, he's going to recoup the base on Mikdash. Beautiful. And, and, and in turn, he gets really great business. I mean, he gets to supply all the birds for the base of Mikdash and also obviously all the kavod and all the mitzvahs that go with it. Fine. Okay, now, the Gemara is now going to ask, why did we only, why did the Mishnah only give a couple examples of where the coins get lost? This is, uh, we foreshadowed this before. Why didn't it give every example? So says the Gemara, why, why did we only mention those nachaminas? The Gemara answers, yeah, because at the end, we tell you everything we need to know, which is that the klal is that you go based on where it's closest to, and when it's, 
not clear because it's exactly between two pushkas, we simply go to the Chumrah. And so in all the cases brought up at the Mishnah, there was a Chiddush as to which one would be considered the Chumrah, as, you, as we just saw now. It's not so Pashat, uh, which one is more, is, is more Chumrah, so to speak. It's not so Pashat which one to give to in a case of uh, total Suffolk. But that's only in the cases brought in the Mishnah. All the other cases, it doesn't even really matter. Right? You can put it in either one, and that's why those cases were brought in the Mishnah, because if there's no Chumrah and Kula, they're all Nadavas, the for example. So then if they're all Nadavas, the so put it in the Pushka. It doesn't really matter. And so only the cases where there's enough Kamina were brought in our Mishnah. That's the answer to the Fine, Halacha Beis, and Yotes, says the Mishnah, similar, this is all along the similar veins coming up here in these Mishnahis. So there, you're finding in the Sochari Behemah, you're in the city of Yishalayim, right? And so you say, um, so, so if you say, um, if you find it in front of the Sochari Behemah, so here, Barry the Behemah Macher, right? He's going to be the one selling Behemahs. So if you find money there, you're always going to treat it like Meiser. What does that mean? You're always going to treat it like Meiser Shani. Why are you going to treat it like Meiser Shani? Because the Taktan Chadatan explains that most of the commerce going on around the Behemah merchants was Meiser Shani money, right? That's how people operated. They would bring their Meiser Shani money. They would go buy the, they would bring their money, not their animals, from their faraway cities. And then they would go buy the animals in Yerushalayim and eat the, and eat or whatever the shawarma in Yerushalayim. So that's if you find it near the shawarma store, you can assume that it's Meiser Shani. Okay? But if you find it in the Harabais, you can assume that it's Hulin. Why? So we're going to see. Basically, I'll say it outside. Uh, money in circulation is always going to be uh, that's near the areas where you're buying animals, right? Is always going to be Meiser Shani because that's like money in circulation of people buying behemoths. That's usually Meiser Shani money. But money stum, that could be from any time of year for any reason. So money in general in the world is mostly Hulin. It's only near the, the behemoth sellers that it's mostly Meiser Shani. So again, this is a perfect example of what I was saying in the introduction of where you have to take the context right, into consideration. So, so you don't see this as much in Bavli, but here in Yisham you see that the context, you see it also in Bavli, but here it's very, very obvious that the um, context, it makes all the difference. So if you find in the higher bias, right, because we always say Rove versus Carve, well, Rove of what? What's our perimeter? If our perimeter is where the, where the Bahamas sellers are, so then that's going to be probably Maisha Shani. If you can take the entire higher bias with the whole Israel, the whole world, so then the Rove is going to be Hulin. Right? So that's what it means over there. Over your Shalayim. What if you find it near Shalayim itself? So here's where it gets into, right? Now you have, within the confines of your Shalayim, you have areas that you have the, the sellers of the, of the um, animals and the areas where you don't. So how do you determine? So then, so be Shalayim. So then, during the regular year, we're going to say it's Chulun. But if it's during peak season, the high, which is during the Regalim, so then of course you can assume it's Maiser Shani. Have a bus of Shanims about Zara, meat found in the Azara. So, Evarim Olos Vechatikos Chatos. Right? If it's Evarim, then it's an Ola because, again, you're only burning it, the whole thing. You're not going to eat it. And since you don't have, you're not going to eat it, you don't have to make edible cuts. You just basically throw it on the maize mixture in big chunks. But if you find it like, um, Ceviche, I always get this wrong, Carpaccio. If you find it cut, like, for eating, so then you're going to assume that, that it was meant to be edible and therefore it's going to be Chatas. So again, context is everything. Over Yerushalayim, Zivchei Shlamim. If you find it elsewhere in Yerushalayim, then it's assumed that it's a Shlamim because that's Kachim Kalim, right? Like we said, Kachim Kalim, you don't have to eat in the Azar. You can, you can eat it in uh, Yerushalayim, so therefore you have to assume that it's Shlamim. Zevazet to Uber, Either way, what happens when you find such meat that was supposed to be either an Ola, Chatas, what are you going to do with it? You can't eat it. Um, and you can't burn it because it's kadosh, and therefore what do you have to do? You have to wait until its appearance changed to Uber Tsurasa, until it gets kind of spoiled, and then you burn it with everything else that's puzzle, as the Takan Khatan explains, right? You just wait for it to become puzzle, and then you burn it with the psulin. What if you find an Nimsabik Vulin? You found it in Petah Tikva, right? Uh, in Israel, but outside Yerushalayim. So then, Avar and Avelas Vechatikos Mataras. Then, when if you see large chunks, you have to assume that it's an Avela, but if you see edible chunks, then you can assume that it was sold as kosher. The, the, um, uh, Takan Khatan is quick to remind us that this is only in the kosher area. 
right, in a Jewish area where it's mostly kosher restaurants. It's only if you find it in Surfside. If you find it like in, in random, right, uh, Mississippi, you can't make this assumption. But even in Surfside, this is a huge assumption. You find a random piece of meat, no extra, no nothing in the middle of the street, as long as it's edible, you can assume that it was kosher. That's not what the Badats would say, but that was different standards then, okay? When you have a lot of meat, so then, right, even limbs could be found. And again, the lesson here is that everything is context. So even though we got a head start, we got to your test on the base, um, I, I took the liberties uh, of introducing all the, all, all the upcoming uh, Mishnayas by explaining um, that all of the following cases are going to be cases of giving context in order to determine, right, what is the most likely source of this Right, of this meat, um, is, it, is it likely that it's kosher? Is it likely that it's strafe? Is it likely there's a certain type of korban, depending on whether it's during the golem or the rest of the year? Everybody have a great Shabbos. We'll see you Tuesday for Maseches Yom Abez Rat Hashem.